Welcome back to Good to Geek Out. Doing something different today. No, not different. Same thing, but it's transformed into season two. Earthrise. Ah. Transformers. <laughs> That's what See we're what doing. There. Thank you. Editorial yes. Antonio here with my boys, ready to talk about Transformers. We already did Siege. Now we're doing Earthrise. What up, peeps? What up, what up, what up, Big Greg from West Hills, Cali? Up, this is Omar from Gardena. Hopefully, we're recording. <laughs> That's Double never Fred, going away. San Francisco, <laughs> double checking on that recording. <laughs> uh, Robert Luce coming at you from Phoenix, Oregon, rising from the ashes. Uh, yes, we are recording. <laughs> Let me throw it in again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All yeah. right, so when we left, uh, Transformers last, uh, the Space Bridge incident had happened, and so now we're dealing with the repercussions and the aftermath of that at the beginning of Transformers Earthrise. Um, first, op- the opening scene is Decepticon on Decepticon, and Autobots are saving Decepticons from prison? Ooh, uh, and somebody yeah. is dope with the sniper. <laughs> and my girl is... She's nice. Sniper shot, and then you just see it's 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 done very dark, so you don't know really what's going on, and then uh, you realize you there's four Autobots there saving a bunch of Decepticons being held captive by other Decepticons. Uh, season the first uh, part of this trilogy made us question what an Autobot and Decepticon is, and right off the bat, here we are again. What is going on? What is what? What does your symbol mean? Factionless. Faction, yeah, doesn't matter. Um, I feel like I feel like they were like from the get go. This is gonna be chromius time. <laughs> and then my girl shine, man. Man, I you know, it's funny because um, I really you know it's it's you know all of the things that we review. I really love how they have these um, uh, these similes, you know, between you know this animated cartoon. And you know these social justices in life. You know, uh, one of my favorite lines, episode one, was when Alita was was talking about freedom being the right of all sentient beings. Right? She didn't care about factions. She doesn't care about polit- political parties. She doesn't care about race. Right? That's why she's like, you know, I'm just gonna free everybody. And you know, if I, you know, if I die, I die. Give us but at least, you know, you know what I'm saying. At least uh, I know I did the right thing. I definitely agree with you and think that in the opening scene, I mean, well, we'll get deeper into it later when um, she has her, her uh, back and forth with, uh, with Meg, but they really uh, nailed down the, the difference between ideology and ideas and execution and how you do that, how you get to the end point matters. And so just already off the bat, taking these, this two factions and splitting them up and then um throwing in these gray areas that again i are, i 100% agree with you that they are they're purposefully parallel in the sense of jetfire as a stand in for a maga who is no longer uh right on that side being like Bootle decepticon but he was He's an Autobot, but still with the same sentiment of a Decepticon. Exactly. Like, we only got to look out for ourselves. We only got to do this. Um, for sure. So, so the ideas of them going in and her high morals, uh, I, I, yeah, it was, it, was a, uh, it was a really solid 
solid action-packed you know intro. The great part about that was the just juxtaposition of her now being the leader and having to deal with complaints when she was the main annoying person. <laughs> and now she got to deal with somebody acting just like her. Yeah. But that's something I wanted to, that's a, that's a point I was going to bring up because uh, you bring up Jetfire. You bring, we talk about Jet, Jetfire and Alita having that convo. The first thing he said made me like, man, I just talked about this when we reviewed the last one. All right, so he first thing he said to her was, I didn't want to cross you in front of everybody else, but I did want to talk to you. Where Alita was openly, you know, it's like, no, this motherfucker didn't. Whenever Optimus Prime did something wrong, bro, she was on his helmet right away. She didn't care who heard it. Jetfire understanding this is a sensitive situation. I'm going to holler at you behind closed doors. And, you know, even his last statement to her as he walks away was, well, I've said my piece. And I, I've given you my opinion. It's the it's the military in him, and I think that that's what's dope. Like uh, we're a leader, as opposed to the guerrilla forces, the the loose association that the Autobots seem to be with just whatever uh, uh, Optimus says goes. Like Megatron has like a system, like they are an army, and so Jetfire still on some like, all right, well like. I, that's on the record. You would just yeah. put that shit on the record when this shit's fucked up. I'm business. I like to go do my job, but I have one question. From the I don't know if it's just me. From the beginning, Megatron's voice seemed to drag on a little bit. I don't know if it was if it because I I, I want to go back and watch the first one, but it's it was bothering me. It was just the way he was dragging his letters. And it seemed like, it, are they trying to make him depressed or something or what? Like, okay, I mean, so I think they touched on that in the second episode. I completely agree with Omar there. And it's a, it's a nice segue into that. The next open with uh, with the Decepticons and um, his um, uh, uh, soliloquy, as you wanted to say, like he's talking and he sounds depressed. He's, he's lost for all intents and purposes. He's trying to find a way to win. And then uh, he's in, like, you're the only one that understands me. And then it's Magnus's head on a table the whole time. So he's only talking to like somebody who's he's killed before. I thought that was a great move on their part. I 100%, and this is why I say soliloquy, uh, I was like, oh, th this fool's going fucking Shakespeare on this. <laughs> this is a Globe Theater production. And yeah. then at the end, showing that skull, I was like, oh, oh, they just fucking went Hamlet. They were just like, yeah. skull, I must say. <laughs> like, um, and with the ghost, I mean, there's a lot of Hamlet things that actually come in here in the sense of the ghost of... Uh, of uh, father's past and and all of that as uh, as we move into the second episode, but I 100% uh, agree with you, Lucy, that the staging, um, the drama of that scene was, you know, it, it fucking highlighted Megatron, and he's in a room by himself. He's mm -hmm. a, he's his own bottle episode. Sector twelve. Sector all of that 12. leads to sector twelve. Lucy, were you about to hit on that? We're not there yet. We're I was not. about to hit on that and what Shockwave has to say. And it was kind of a juxtaposition yes. of, of Shockwave's just that single yellow eye as, yes. as is behind Omar and is like, you know, more sinister and like a Dr. Mangala. I got, I got, I got it. Cause I, man, like, I almost it. It. he's like, Megatron. I wish I had your lack of emotion. And Shockwave's yeah. response, deleting my emotions was the most 
logical way for me to increase my efficiency. Right. And like, I, when he said that, I was like, okay. Because as soon as he said, he turned right back around and started typing again. Right. <laughs> uh, up on Shockwave's face there uh, is great because <laughs> we know as like people who watch TV, like when you do that, that's supposed to be like the shifty eye thing. Yeah. But he doesn't have a shifty eye. Like I tell it didn't change or anything. Uh, I was just like, it was. Like, like almost like a snake. He's always uh, like emphasizing the S's. Yes. Yeah, like I'm telling you, he just reminds me of Desaad. Every time I see him, that's dark side's evil, evil scientist who always got something planned. He really wants to kill the emperor. Uh, the, he wants to kill dark side, but he can't. <laughs> you know, like that's what he, he reminds me of. And he always got something up his sleeve. You can't trust him regardless. Yeah, just also something I wanted to bring up from our last review of uh, Siege that Omar brought up, which is uh, Megatron's descent into madness. And this is kind of highlighting, I think he realizes he's slowly slipping. So now he's trying to slow it down a little bit. Maybe he wasn't in the first part, but now you can visibly see him. Like, for example, when he goes to visit Sector 12 later on in the episode, he's trying to actually put faces to things before he pulls a trigger, which most megalomaniacs would not do. So, so, so my, so, so I actually have um, a dissenting opinion on that. I don't think he's slipping into madness. I think he's slipping into humanity. I think there's a difference. We keep judging Megatron based on what we know his behaviors on earth and Jens wanted to, we wanted to, what we know and so that's how we're judging him so we're saying he's going mad because he's doing things that are really against what we know to be his typical character but actuality like the fact that he wanted to visit sector 12 before he just destroyed it the megatron we knew in gen 1 2 and in, in, in the cartoon series and would have just been like you know oh we need that for this you know for project nemesis bam you know cut them off but he didn't want it to go that fast. He actually wanted to go see first. I think this is, I think it's some sort of humanity. And this goes towards them trying to uh, uh, blur Decepticon and Autobot and what we perceive as good guy versus bad guy, which we have as a common theme on a lot of the stuff that we review. Good guy versus bad guy gets blurred. And the difference between Shockwave's underhanded descent versus Starscream's being highlighted in the, like the two different ways because Starscream's so happy when Megatron gives him praise. He wants <laughs> yeah. to hug. I think yeah. like, he's like, he's like, no, he's like I, I saw that too. He came in so gangster. Megatron, what up? It's your preeminent warrior. <laughs> <laughs> that was dope. I was I was rolling with that whole time when he walked in. But I will say this about Megatron, uh, regardless of them trying to blur the lines a little bit and give him a little humanity, he still was quick to make the decision like, nah, murk them all. He's a mass murderer. Like there is yeah. no blurring the lines with that. Yeah. And I know how TV has over, over the last 20 years have tried to make the bad guy, the anti-hero and all that. Megatron just wanted a reason. Just He wanted to go down there and get one reason. He got his reason and was like, all right, cool. Y'all done. The reason to screaming about Megatron. I agree. I disagree. I think he wanted. To, I wanted. He was looking for a reason to not take them offline. He didn't want to have fewer Cybertronians. He didn't want to like. He doesn't want to rule over. He had head. all types of reasons. But it was I, people down there working hard for him. They were loyal Decepticons. And wait he a was minute. Like nah, they, bye. Eight percent. 
there but, were eight percent of the workers alive. <laughs> but I want to say that I think that the differences from him being a quote unquote mass murderer and not giving a fuck, like he could have gone back to the base and killed them, but he stops and he hears them. It reminded me of Ned Stark uh, at the beginning of Game of Thrones, and he's like, "The man who sit who gives the sentence has to swing the sword." And so, like, he's there, like, mm -hmm. listening to them die. You are, you are, and they are screaming. Eddard Stark with Megatron. Like, that's a stretch for me. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry. He's, this dude is, like, it's, I get he, he, he's, he didn't, he may struggle with it. You still made that decision. That's a cold decision to make. <laughs> I mean, but, but, like, the, the way that we're arguing about this is the same way I think that struggle's going on in him because the arena which at the end of this uh, episode, we find out what, what Project Nemesis is doing, mm. not what it is yet. Um, it, the arena that brought him glory, brought him leadership, taught him to be who he is, is now sucking everything that he's ever wanted to be. So like- It's now a beacon for ingenuity. <laughs> yeah, they're just, just, just trying to survive now. And which they were when he was in the arena as well. Um, it's just a interesting dichotomy that now he's, taking his people his own people out instead of trying to free them uh but still using the same rationale somehow and that's the end of episode. Well, the, the the conversation he has with the leader at the end he's like you know he he's justifying it by blaming it on prime yeah like hey I'm, it's not me i want to be doing this if, if hey. prime was, it's hey. prime's fault. he got me he got me <laughs> hey he got me i was shaking my head like damn prime Right. Yeah, you're right. Because remember, right. last time I, in the first, I was like, "Well, nothing happened. Prime didn't destroy Cybertron, but I didn't know that what the consequences were going to be in this time. So it wasn't that Cybertron was just going to get destroyed. There was going to be no more Energon, and they live off Energon. Maybe if they stopped making those tactile flags, they would have more Energon. <laughs> right. You got to give him jobs. Those are jobs, man. Those are jobs. You don't want to take those jobs away. <laughs> Last thing you need are Decepticons with no, with too much spare time. You got to. <laughs> I can imagine an EDD on uh, Cybertron is even slower than here in California. Hey, you know, hey now, this Well, is now just... that I'm thinking about it, like he almost is like, you know, Optimus Prime left us here to starve to death. And like their, their option is like, it's basically cannibalism is what they're going through. And he's okay with it. I mean, I also think it's interesting for the people that are like us that are grew up on Gen 1 and are familiar with Gen 1, Gen 2 and the comics and all that kind of stuff, that this all still fits into the mythos of everything. We just didn't yeah. know how his war destroyed Cybertron or how, uh, you know, right. the, the sides. I like that. It's still playing in. It made me think that perhaps a last man standing battle to the death isn't the best way to run a government on a planetary scale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely not. We this is not as deep. <laughs> but I just, I just want to bring up something, man. This has to do with Omar's boy Jetfire. Uh, oh. The scene where he comes oh, flying out of nowhere and destroys the Seekers. Bro, I was amped. <laughs> he came like you just—he just came in, and it was, and all of a sudden, it was just like a giant sword and guns, and he was like, "I got this." He took out all the seekers, and then landed with the superhero land. I was yeah. like, "Okay." Right. First okay. thing I thought of was Chromia and Jetfire need a spinoff. Man, <laughs> <laughs> them two together can kill everybody. That would be dope. Yeah, a little, little just little Bonnie and Clyde. 
Yeah, right. uh, we don't talk about the animation as much as it deserves to be talked about on the show because the story is actually really, really strong. But it really reminded me like how much I hated CGI in the 2000s. Like, like mm-hmm. I just like I couldn't watch Beast Wars, things like that. And I was watching this and when the jet fire scene happened and just the fluidity of mm-hmm. his combat, like he's like, I fight in the air. Like this is like what I do. Or when the third one takes off and then the animation of him transforming and bolting right out. Yeah. I was like, ooh, that shit is dope. Yeah, right. I'm glad one of us could fly. <laughs> right. That alert was on the jock, man. All right. So uh episode two, we get we finally get to what happened to the Autobots that left through the space bridge. Autobots on the Ark boarded by mercenaries. Five voices heard. That hired him. I can only be so many people, right? That went so yeah. fast. Yeah. That shit went so fast. Uh, I thought that was dope. Um, in the sense, it reminded me, it, you know, and I'm sure that's what they were going for. It reminded me the very first episode of Transformers. And, like, we find them, you know, blacked out on the arc and coming. And so, like, there's this middle story that, that seems in flawlessly seeing the mix of Autobot and Decepticon, but with everyone with the twist, like Bug Bite, uh, uh, Thrust and Dirge, like- uh, I you kept know, rewinding and pausing that little uh, symbol. It looked like some sort of mixture, like the, mer- the mercenary symbol. It yeah, was it a mixture, yeah, right? Like, Did you guys catch that? Yeah, I, lo- I looked it up. I couldn't find anything. I found the original like symbol for whatever they used to be, which was the Autobot and Decepticon symbol together. And then I guess when they factioned, they kind of took pieces of it. But that one doesn't look like a Maximal or a Predacon or anything too much. It, it kind of looks like a monkey by itself. Yeah, it, it looked just like a monkey. Yeah. Uh, the rollout of the mercenaries was hella dope. Um just like they had a swagger they had a swagger that the decepticons and the autobots have never had and oh they liked, yeah. they liked what they did like not everyone clocks in and does a job that they liked like everyone on that <laughs> right. they was with it what they did uh, where where's where's the honor amongst these oh yeah we sold it to the <laughs> highest bidder <laughs> that was dope like, I was like, this one got comebacks. He's better than the gig Have the Wreckers ever had a uh, symbol? Yeah, they do. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And they also have like a, some kind of Autobot Knight, or a, no, a Cybertronian Knight, and it's kind of like the Autobot symbol extended skinny. They have a couple Whoa. weird... Is that from the last night? I hope not, because that shouldn't be canon. Lucy! Yo! What do you think about Alita One's plead to Megatron? You know, I thought their their conversation was was pretty amazing. It like Megatron's like, "Hey, we want the same thing, you know. We're we going about it different ways, and you wouldn't you would have gone with Prime if you you know, but you care about mm-hmm. Cybertron, and that's what mm-hmm. I care about. So we care about the same thing. So I need you by my side. I need warriors, and you're like, hey, I so I sacrificed a few, but I'm not sacrificing you." Because you're a warrior and you're a leader, join me. And she, she, she. The first time she's like no, but they, they, you know, we're jumping a little ahead, I think. But the second time, they kind of leave it hanging out there, like, hmm. Well, he was putting his bid in. He was trying to holler. Okay, you, you was yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you fine. Come holler at me. 
because they end yeah. up uh, shading in some of the background because she's straight up like, yo, like I respected you so much when you were in the arena, like mm -hmm. right. really yeah. build up um, the, the world a little bit more and make us again, look at Megatron through a different eye set. Like an Autobot was like, this is a dope dude who I'm willing to follow. And when he hits her with the, maybe you should have been the leader of the Autobots line, I was like, oh, Megatron is, but what I noticed in that scene was Megatron was appealing to a Decepticon and not to an Autobot. To a Decepticon, survival is the most important thing. Ambition is right. the most important thing. But to an Autobot, to Elitus, but specifically, uh, sacrifice is the most important thing. Uh, giving yourself for someone else is the most important thing. So like he just can't comprehend why she won't get uh, get on, which makes Starscream's little pissy moves so fucking, I love Sassy Starscream. Sassy Starscream is so fucking, oops. Oops. <laughs> Wait, hold on. But then as he's appealing and he's trying to appeal to her, when it doesn't work, he goes straight Megatron again. Cause yeah. then she's like, okay, okay. But what about my friends? And he's like, oh, oh. Yeah, they barbecue chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, I didn't even bring them up. <laughs> I, I did I, I did also notice like after that scene when it's Megatron by himself again with Ultra Magnus's head, instead of Hamlet, this felt more like Telltale Heart. Like, yeah. like it's just talking to him and making all this news. He's like, shut up, shut up. But it's yeah. not saying a damn thing to him. You know what I mean? I just you know, if you're gonna bring up Hamlet, I'm gonna bring up Telltale Heart. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring it up. Y'all, y'all too literary. I was thinking more like Tom Hanks with the Wilson ball. <laughs> <laughs> that works too. <laughs> so on to the ship, which we recognize for Genesis people as the Quintesson ship from the uh, when did we first see it, Transformers the movie. Yeah, I didn't like it. Uh, don't for me, it was weird. It. It was a little discombobulated to me. This is the first part where I was like, okay, what's going on here? Because uh, the Quintessons were, they, you know, there was always five of them, but like, I don't know, it just, it did, I know he was crazy, but like how it got to, to the consensus was, I don't know, it just seemed so fast forward. Like we jumped, they jumped, huh? It was fast. I 100%. It was it was season eight of Game of Thrones. Like er, like that was a fast forward button. There's no way that we shouldn't have gotten more of those five interaction faces for at least one or two episodes to kind of have it build up. So that way, when he actually goes through the face shaving, we're like, oh shit, you took that person's face off and that person's face right. off because you disagreed with him about that and you disagreed with him about that. Was and he really the chain breaker? Was he the one that really gave him the tra them the transforming powers? Like we didn't get any of that. They went from that to nah, y'all gotta go. I th I I agree with you. They skipped over a lot of plot development right there. They could have gone a lot deeper into something that seems very important to the Transformers mythos. I mean, like I, how they uh, you know how they became. They're like okay, we're gonna give them about two and a half minutes and then. We're gonna move on from there. And we're gonna go straight to shaving. And what I thought was funny too, and I and I'm and it has to have been intentional, is that Bumblebee's all ugh, dirty mercenaries. And this whole straight is a straight fucking crack energon out the crap. He's a scrapper. Decepticon <laughs> alleys and shit. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Uh, uh, I, 
I don't think I, I I enjoyed the second episode. I don't think it had like a you know, as 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 deep emotional tones as the first one, but I did enjoy the episode. I, I it, you know, the whole thing happened on a ship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you said, they could have took that. That could have been three episodes, right? If, if they really would have stretched yeah. it out, that that could have been three episodes. Which makes me, as a fan, excited for what's to come. Cause like, if they yeah, cut they all of this, said, yeah, what was yeah, they cut this to add some stuff later. So I'm like, okay, yeah. Did you guys notice when they brought down um, what's the name of the ship? Nemesis. Nemesis. The, the, the oh. Nemesis. The music mm-hmm. they played when they brought it down. It was the Transformers mm-hmm. the movie uh, uh, music when uh, Megatron got turned into Galvatron. Oh, oh, not okay. I know that music. <laughs> Takes pencil. Must go back <laughs> watch movie. I didn't notice again. it the first time, but when I watched uh, episode one and two again today, I noticed it. it. Was like, oh, okay. See, yeah, they they know what they're doing. They are connecting dots and and and. And, and trying to get that memory going. Um, but yeah, and I thought that the payoff on that was was sweet and they do a good job um, holding the hand, like, like this is great high brow drama and there's a lot of stuff that can get missed. Like TV doesn't like subtlety. TV doesn't like you to figure things out, especially on an animation level. So they kind of show you how to understand things. Like they pull a scene out and they show you and then they're like, by the way, like this is how this story is paying off later. And I can only assume that they're doing that setup for a bigger parallel later on of them helping someone out. Cause I'm sure that the mercenaries are going to be the equivalent of those guys later on in the sense of like coming to bail them out when they're in a hard part. Let's talk about the mercenaries just being on some, yo, uh, I know where the uh, uh, arc is. I heard you were- uh... <laughs> They're Man. playing all sides, playing all sides. So yeah, so it ends with uh, Megatron like, I know where they're at. Let's roll, and you know, cut. So can y'all help me out go. with something. Along with that, Lucy, can y'all help me out with something? Am I tripping, or did Megatron start calling Alita Ariel? He yeah. did. Yes, he did. He did. What's that about? It's her old it name. Was, yeah. Okay. When, uh, oh, uh, in the cartoon when. They go to the the past before Optimus becomes Optimus, and uh, he's still Orion Pax. Orion Pax. Mm-hmm. Orion Pax. Right. Eric was her pre pre war name, so he was like Bet. he was sliding into the DLs. He was. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's why I said he was shooting his shot. He was trying to. He was like, yeah. "Look, you chose you yeah. chose Prime, but you chose the wrong one." I'm still here. Yeah. Miss Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good breakdown. Good breakdown. All right. Um, on that note, you know that's a pretty decent ending. Uh, I think both episodes are pretty solid. We're getting ready for three and four next. Um, stay alert. Oh, what did Red Alert say? I'm always alert. I'm always Editor. alert. Editor San Antonio out. I am feeling a vibe between Red Alert and Jetfire, and I want to see where that goes. Boba Fresh, San Francisco, out. I really hope there is no vibe. Omar and Gardena, out. Now I gotta want there to be a vibe. (laughs) Big Greg, West Hills, I'm out. Hey, Rob Lucy coming at you from Phoenix, Oregon. Hey, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, Let's get everybody's opinions on this. 
see you guys. Great conversation. Till next week. Bet. Peace. Bet.